my math is right here. Beekman Golf Course is one of New York State's most spectacular full-service public golf facilities. Located in Dutchess County and only an hour north of New York City, the 27 holes wind their way along the Taconic. through the valley and over the highlands with spectacular views that have made the course famous for over 50 years. With three nine-hole courses to start on, players enjoy fast play and easy access to tee times, even on weekends. Book your next round at BeekmanGolf.com. Let's play today. That's BeekmanGolf.com. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. All right, we're back in. Holy crap, AT, it's happening already. The wheels are falling off. Our heads' pets are falling off. We're trying to get this thing together, and so quick, dude. Monday, Wednesday morning, feel, 9 a.m. It feels like it feels like I'm trying to get a paper in in college. <laughs> it really That's does. Man. Is, it's, it's like it's it's like the paper's already three weeks late, <laughs> and I feel like I'm in a rush to get it in for the ninth extension that I have requested. It and is. The, te the teachers already know they expect that out of me. It's happening. <laughs> it's such a mad panic. Uh, we're gonna open the show. We're opening the show right now uh, with some obvious, huge news in the men's lacrosse world. John Paul stepping down uh, from the University of Michigan. Um, it, it happens every year. The coaching carousel happens every year. Last year it was pretty crazy. I think there were six or seven head job openings. Uh, the over-under, I think, this year was six and a half, um, just from talking with very, a lot of people. Uh, I got varying if responses. LBL, if LBL is putting an over-under on the amount of coaches <laughs> changing. <that laughs> they happened. should. Those, they should. Those guys, big-time sleazeballs. <laughs> they're sleazier than I ever could have imagined if they're putting a line on coaching firings. They didn't. And they don't respond to any of the uh, the requests that everyone reaches out about to, like, you know, what are the over-under? Although they, the only, the only uh, prop bets they did this year were, what, the number of total wins for each program? And how did that shape out? We got we to gotta look back at that and see. Yeah, and yeah. see how that, that shaped out. Um, but huge news, AT, John Paul stepping down. Uh, I obviously, I have a, a close um, ties to the situation. I worked for John Paul for two years. But uh, AT, what was the impact of Michigan becoming a Division One men's lacrosse program? And how has it and will shape the future of men's lacrosse? 
I think that, uh, look, I think any time a coach doesn't get their contract renewed, and that's really what I believe it is more than, you know, say a firing. I don't think it's really a firing. I don't think that – I think Mac, Michigan's too classy of a place, and I think that John Paul is too high of a quality person uh, and coach for them to actually fire him. I, I think that that word isn't the, isn't the appropriate word in this instance. Um, but I think that – I texted John Paul yesterday just to, just to tell him that, you know, I, I thought that, you know, in his last four or five years, he kind of has become an icon within the sport. He really has, you know, taking over a program that is arguably the strongest athletic department in the entire country, um, you know, right there, if not above Ohio State and Penn State and Notre Dame. Um, and let's face it, you know, he, he won three club championships, took that program to the Division One level. And, you know, I think recruited very, very well to that school. And I think this was, what, his fifth season? Is that is that what happened? Yeah. Okay, so he was there for five years. He won 20 oh, no, no, games. Seven, I, no, 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 seven, seven seasons. I, or Team Six. I think this was Team Six. So it started in well, what, uh, the year before yeah. I got there, which was 2012. Right. 2012, I mean, what, 13, 14. Whatever it is, I think that – he has nothing to be ashamed of, a ton to be proud of. Um, you know, and as a, as a Michigan alum, I, I, I think while he's not happy on a personal level, I think John would be the first one to say that he's a fan of whatever makes Michigan the best that it can be. And I'm sure John feels that he's the guy that should be the coach there and that he's the person for that job and he's the one that can make Michigan the best that it can be. Um, so on a personal level, I'm sure it stings for him and his family, uh, and that sucks. But the reality is, I think, as a Michigan fan, is that if, if it wasn't him, if he trusts the people that make the decisions at Michigan to do what's in the best interest of Michigan athletics, you know, from the outside looking in simply wearing his alum hat, you know, I think any changes that, that are made, you know, he, he's got to support the, you know, those decisions as an alum, you know, it just so happens that he's the guy that's getting, you know, his contract not renewed. So I'm sure those are conflicting emotions, but John's a winner and John's a big picture guy and John is going to be successful in whatever he does, whatever his next challenge brings, whether it's in lacrosse, out of lacrosse, you know, whatever it may be. I just think John has a ton to be proud of and that he helped establish this program as a major player on the recruiting landscape and has laid the foundation for this program to what I ultimately think will win a national championship down the line. I just think it's a certainty at some point. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, and we're going to get into, you know, the potentials. We're just going to speculate and just, just totally go off the rails about height of your responsibility. Love that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. It is mixed and conflicting emotions. I think, I think there's something in John Paul that while he, and he tweeted out, you know, he, he was happy with, you know, the progress and where they brought it. I think there's a, there's a small piece of him that really wanted to, make a stand in his first year or not his first run 
with getting a big time, a Big Ten win. I think that was probably numero uno on his list of you know goals, uh, and he fell yep. short of that. And I think that that's going to um, you know grind at him. But look, I mean, look at what he's done this year. I mean, we haven't finished the conference tournaments, but you've got an Ivy League tournament with Penn as a four seed, probably playing the best lacrosse out of the Ivy League. He he beat Penn this year. At the time right. they beat him, they were top ten in the country. Right. Um, you, you, that's something to hang, you know, your cap on. Uh, he this season, he won every single game he was quote unquote supposed to win. And he stole one from Penn. And I think right. that if you look back at a lot of coaches in their time and their career, every single season, they would say, look, if we just win the games we're supposed to win, we'll be all right. And if we steal one or two, every coach says that. Let's just win the one, you know, all the games we're supposed to win and we'll steal one or two maybe and we're going to be fine when it comes to at-larges and all that kind of stuff. Well, look, you got a, you got a program that's seven years young and he's looking to Make the get the wins that he's supposed to win. Well, he accomplished that this past year, and then he stole one from Penn because who knows? Penn could win the Ivy League tournament, and they could go to the national tournament. And now all of a sudden, Michigan ends up with a win of a top sixteen team in the program in the country uh, when the season finishes. And right, you, you know, know what? Listen, listen. He it's not like he started a program in the NEC or <laughs> or took right. or took over a new program in. You know, uh, some crummy conference. The Big Ten is is probably the best conference in college across this year. It is right, and he's his whatever it is, sixth season or whatever it is, starting a program. Let's just let's just start a program at Georgia Tech and see how quickly it takes them to get a win in the ACC with those schools. <laughs> I mean, this is like it's it, true. When, when you think about it from that viewpoint. He did a hell of a job, yeah, you know, he did. Uh, but it's, uh, it's not easy. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a happy day when coaches don't get their contracts renewed. I went through it, you know, and, and at Dartmouth and, you know, there's definitely a layer of bitterness that you have. And at the same time, um, you know, you also want to see the people that you care about that are still involved in the program successful um so you know i listen i think john at the end of the day is going to be somebody that we will be a michigan fan forever while he's not happy about this decision i think he feels good about his body work he left the program no doubt way better than it was before he took it over no question about it and you know if that defines success john paul was a wild success at michigan let's face it yeah, I think, uh, and then you, you just have to go back a little even further than that, uh, and just you have to mention the fact that John Paul took a club BCS program, got together the alums, stuck in there for twenty plus years as a player, as a coach, as a head coach during their time as a club program, and in and a perfect storm. He'll tell you this himself in a perfect storm between perfect AD with Dave Brandon coming in perfect storm of willingness, willing alums to put together the cash uh, perfect storm of him having spent 20 years to build a program that's respectable amongst not only the MCLA, but within the lacrosse 
atmosphere, you know, to universe, I guess, um, where it all came together in about three weeks. They put together enough money. Dave Brennan said, let's give it a go. And boom, all of a sudden, you've got a men's and women's program, a BCS program, a BCS school that, by the way, I still to this day don't think it's ever going to happen again. Remember, Utah said that they were going to build a program. Remember those days. Remember that day when they all said they were going to have a program. Well, we're in year right. one now after that said, and there's still no announcement. Right. And it's it's a lot harder than people think to put those pieces together. And it's sometimes it's, it has nothing to do with alums having the money. Sometimes it has nothing to do with the number of sports. It, it, it has to do with the fact that the athletic department physically can't do it, regardless if they have the money or not, just because they can't and won't put in uh, the resources to a yet another program that say they need to improve with the current programs they already have. And Michigan right. was a fortunate institution that it didn't matter. They're just like, oh, well, we'll just spend another $35 million on a new facility that's men's and women's <laughs> across only. No problem. We'll right. put that together. Uh, n- n- you know, no other school. There's probably you know, Texas, Stanford. You know, we go look at Boston College, Archie. Look, look, look at what happened with Boston College. When I was at Brown, Boston College had a varsity program and had some very good players in the program and they because their athletic director was a toolbox de filippo right the, the program wasn't endorsed as a d1 program and it essentially went club right and yeah. some of the some of the stud alumni johnny heffernan and and johnny walker and, and johnny o'brien these guys you know went to the athletic director and said listen we want to bring back Division one lacrosse at Boston College. And Mr. Toolbox said, all right, go raise $32 million. And you got it. So right. these guys went out and very, very quickly raised $8 million bucks and brought $8 million bucks, pledged $8 million bucks to the athletic director. And he said, nope, not good enough. I, I want all of it. So he clearly right. had no desire to do it. So what my example is, and I know you were speaking about this, is that it just goes to show you how relentless John Paul was in following the passion that he had to make Division One lacrosse a reality at Michigan. And to his credit, he was able to get over every single hurdle and make it happen. Um, yeah, I mean, his, his yeah. legacy in the world of lacrosse is cemented. As you like to say, he's cemented yes. his legacy yes, he and, and he will forever be a part of Michigan lacrosse. Yep. And there's there's not a lot of people in this world that can, you know, look back at a program and remember a coach that was there for one or two years. Like, you know, no one's going to – you know, it's just – it's a really good thing for, for the sport. John Paul is the first one to ever do it. And I think that all the credit needs to go to John Paul and, you know – the University of Michigan itself, too. You remember Dave Brandon was a big part of that as well. Uh, yep. And, again, it was a perfect storm, and uh, we're all better off because of it. And so from from a standpoint, our standpoint, thanks, John Paul. Uh, and thanks, thank you And service. you know what? Domino's pizza sucks, but it's still better than Andy Shea's pizza at New Haven. <laughs> 
I, yeah, look, I actually like Domino's pizza. When Dave Brandon took over, he changed the recipes. He changed the service. He he nailed it. But uh, I, uh, I'm sauce not... to the end. Sauce, sauced all the way to the end of the crust, please. Don't <laughs> don't create three bites per pie and then fill me up on you know Andy buttered I'm, oil. I'm very sure I've seen you eat Domino's pizza before, and you didn't even know you were eating Domino's pizza. Ryan, you were enjoying it. Listen, listen, don't make the listeners think that you can actually see after 1 a.m. It's not true. And that's the only time you eat Domino's pizza, and we all know that you don't see after 1 a.m. Right? <laughs> Uh, nothing's ever seen after uh, 1 a.m. Nothing ever good happens after 12, but nothing's ever really seen after 1. So uh, let's go into moving on to the second portion of this. Let's go into what's next for Michigan. And it's already flying around, you know, the names and who should do this and that and and I, I, there's a couple things, and 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 who knows? My inside information, who knows if this is right either? It, it never, you know, who, who knows? But I'm going to tell you right now that number one, Michigan doesn't know a lot about lacrosse. I think that's one thing that people need to understand. Two, Michigan has a ton of resources, facilities, money. They have a they have a lot at their disposal. You combine those two. You don't know anything about lacrosse. You don't know much, but you have all the facilities. They just built the $35 million. It's empty. There's nothing in it. There's no team in it yet. There's not even a head coach in it yet. There's no staff in it yet. And so from that standpoint, if I have all the resources, I'm going to buy myself the reputation, I'm going to buy myself the record, I'm going to buy myself the culture I want to build, and I'm going to buy myself the personality I want to work with. And no other institution in, in probably this world other than, again, going back to the same ones, you know, Texas, Stanford, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, Penn State, and even those probably don't have nearly as much, you know, resources you're going to get the guy that everyone talks about that's the greatest guy in the world that's proven that's currently coaching and that's currently kicking ass Bill Tierney <laughs> <laughs> and look and here's and in the and, and what they do know and what they do pay attention to all administrations pay attention to this in every single sport are major moves so they paid attention what was it 8 years ago when Bill Tierney the most you know National championships at the time, or whatever it is, six national championships, arguably the best at that time coach he's in the, the country. He's the best coach in the history of sport. He's well, he, he is definitely now. I mean, if he goes to Denver and wins a national championship, he's going to win another one too, which bums us all out. Don't but you it doesn't think really if he took over Michigan that Michigan would win a national championship in five years? I do. I mean, I well, think that. I, I definitely. I mean, he did it at, right? He did it at Denver. Yeah. I mean, Michigan would be easier to do. But here's the thing, though. Why, if they if they saw Denver do it, and Denver's a one double A school, right? They saw Denver do it, and then they saw Penn State do it, and grab Tambo at a non scholarship institution who'd been in the Final Four what four out of the last five years, paid him a boatload of money to go there. 
then there's no telling who Michigan will go ahead and buy next. And so from that standpoint, and I'll give you eight names, AT. I'll give you eight names. Yep. And all the rest of the names, and I'm going to give you an order. That the one, they're not afraid of attacking interleague teams. In the baseball, they picked up the guy, uh, Eric Backich, yep. who is the head coach at Maryland. Yep. And so they have no problem poaching from other Big Ten schools. So from that standpoint, I'm going to give you three names right off the bat. Dave okay. Petromala. Yep. Jeff Tambroni. Yep. And John Tillman. Yep. Now those two, uh, those three guys are probably the biggest names in our sport other than Bill Tierney and the, Kevin Corrigan, the, the, right? The biggest of the next generation there you go. of folks, right? There I mean, you go. That's a great, got, great way. Because you've got Donowski and Desco and Tierney as, yes. you know, sort of the godfathers of college across at That's this right. point. You know, Dom is now retired. Um, you know, but but those are those guys are, are not going anywhere. Uh, although you never know what Bill Tierney court, I mean, court, court, but, right. but but yes, I think outside of those three, uh, yes, I, I think you're dead on. And so if you're sitting at Johns Hopkins, you're staying at Penn State, and you're staying at Maryland, you're scared that your head coach could be bought to move, and they know it wouldn't take long at all. Like you just mentioned, it wouldn't take long at all for those three, not just Bill Tierney. But John Tillman came in to a Maryland program who lost in the quarterfinals from Dave Cottle. I think they went like 14-2 and two that year, and he got fired. Incredible. Right. Um, and and NC State. Thanks, Debbie. Right. <laughs> right. Yao, I think it is. Yao, oh, Chow, I, whatever. I, I, sorry, I forgot my stapler. Uh, tell Coach Cottle he's fired. What a <laughs> loser. You're firing a Hall of Fame coach on your way back into the office because you forgot your stapler? Get out of here. <laughs> right. Like, and don't, so, don't but against the state. You don't fire Dave Cottle when he goes to the Final Four and is going to win a national championship. Ding a ling. He's true. one of the best coaches it's in the history true. of the sport. It's so true. So, you've got, but then John Tillman, who comes off a Harvard uh, record, I think it was like 25 and 24 in his okay. career, or 20 or 30 and 29. It was just, I think it was it's one not, game not, over 500. Yep. And he goes into Maryland with all the resources in the world, and boom! I don't. Th- he's like the LeBron James of college across, with the exception of not winning one. He's just been to six national championships in a row. He just keeps showing up. He's in every single Final Four, and he's a more proven like, winner. More like, yeah. Well, he did really well when he was at Navy, but the reality is, he kind of came out of nowhere. He was like Sammy Sosa all of a sudden, in the you know, <laughs> and get the resources that they need. All of a sudden. You know, uh, it, it it changes significantly, right? I mean, that's it that's does. what comes down to, man. It does. So and that's not a knock so, on John. Let's face it. I mean, he's one, he's one of the very best coaches in the country, and 100%. perhaps no one has had more success than him in the last decade. You and I have said many times on this podcast that you know John yes. is is arguably the most successful coach in the last decade, um, right. and he's deserved that. But it does show you that in order to really have a chance to uh, stay in the top five programs, you have to have a certain amount of athletic support. You, you have to you have to essentially hear yes every time you ask for something. And there's only you know yes. a handful of schools where the athletic director will say yes to everything that you ask for. And Michigan is one of those places for sure. A hundred percent. So you've got those three, 
and it, it depends on in, for, in terms of Michigan if the price is right. And they have a number of what they're willing to pay for. Both, And remember, too, that the women's coach is out as well. And so now they have two positions to fill, which I believe makes it a little easier for them. Yep. Um, and so now they can just open up the checkbook. And that's where I feel like that's what they were waiting for, is they were waiting for this all to happen. But in either case, Petro, Tambor, and Tillman. And you've got those three. If the price is right for both school and coach, you're going to see one of the biggest exchanges of all time. And and I'm not, I'm not going to be shocked at all if it happens. But for anyone to really kind of mention, you know, I don't I don't mean any disrespect to this at all, but like Dom Starja, you know, I I just you can't grab a guy who leaves one school who's been out for a year to come back in another school with the, it's it, he's part of the godfathers of the cross you're not going to call Donowski and Tierney no, and no. you're just not in Desco you're just not going to do that you're going to go for the next like you said the next tier generation guys and if the price is right the price is right but here are the next group yep you've got Dan Shimati Joe Amplo Sean Natalin Andy Shea Charlie Toomey and I'm going to throw Jerry Byrne in there, which I throw Jerry Byrne in there because he's an assistant coach. But I just don't know if Michigan, because you can look back at their hiring history, they don't often put assistant coaches into head coach roles at the University of Michigan. And so I, I, if I'm a betting guy, I'm betting a head coach to be hired at the University of Michigan while I do believe Jerry Byrne would be more than qualified than any of those guys in addition to those guys as and we talked about it too I, we all believe that Jerry Byrne is a head coach out there so totally Jerry, who do you think Jerry, of, Jerry Byrne is who I would hire if I had the opportunity to hire, hire any of them I'd hire Jerry Byrne um, there's, look Jerry Byrne was a head coach for uh, you know a few years for all intents and purposes, Jerry Byrne is a head coach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's as knowledgeable and at the top of his game as anybody. He's an extremely smart guy and he yep. will be able to, uh, he sells himself. Jerry Byrne, let's face it, Jerry Byrne's the type of guy that if you sit down and talk to Jerry Byrne for 15 minutes and you don't get along with Jerry Byrne, you're the asshole. Yeah, right? you're that's what it is. No I mean, doubt. it's just a yep. fact. It, it's and it's and it's genuine. He's not, you know, he's not funny some of the time. I mean, he's not putting on an act. He, he is who he is, right? And he and and he would crush it out there, um, you know. And and I'm not belittling your list. I think your list absolutely is listing the best coaches out there, um, you know. But I would say that there are other guys out there that also they would be smart to look at. I'd look at Eric Saramet. Um, I would look at Brian Volker. I would look at Scott Marr. Um, I would look mm-hmm. at Mike Corrado. I think uh, he's done an unbelievable job. Um, well, I think I think I think one of the things too is is program prestige that they're what? taking from. Like again, you have to remember that they don't know anything about lacrosse. They know yeah. nothing about lacrosse, and their interdynamic between administration and administration comes at the top. So when they're on these conference calls and they're on these things and they're and they're talking to these they're not talking to you know the Drexels of the world 
Michigan's never talking to a Drexel of the world, so they don't have that kind of connection. And 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 you know, so it's tougher to kind of like connect the dots there. But when you look at national championships, schools like Johns Hopkins comes up. Schools like Loyola in recent years comes up. Charlie T. Uh, you know, would be a f- exactly unbelievable and hire. And so, you know, Shamadi's got this Duke, you know, Richmond bringing up new program type of thing. So when you look at like Scotty Marr at Albany, it's, it's, well, you can look to his success to the connections he's had with the native, um, you know, pool of players. Is Michigan willing to dive into that pool? Or is that a niche that Scotty Marr has created for himself to solidify his career for the rest of his life in Albany? You know, I mean, there are so many different personality dynamics, too. Like, you know, they talk a lot about the Michigan man kind of thing. And I know they've kind of, you know, gotten away from that with Dave Brandon uh, leaving. But the, the reality is, is it's still there. And so, you know, what kind of personality you also going to bring in? And a Jerry lot Byrne, of those guys. Jerry Byrne is the guy, man. Jerry Byrne. Jerry Byrne is the guy. Jerry Byrne. And you got to figure that's got to be the job he's willing to take. He's. he's Listen, it's a huge athletic department, exactly like Notre Dame. He's thrived. He's established himself firmly as, you know, I think the best defensive coach in the sport, as we talked about last week when we had him on the podcast. Um, He just he he represents Notre Dame in a first class way. A hundred percent of the time, he almost never misstates, makes mistakes in what he says publicly um, yep. he's polished. He's, he's, he's seasoned. He's, he's the guy. I mean, Jerry Byrne is the guy. Um, you know, I, I just think like, I, don't I agree with you. you. I, and I agree with you. I think that there is a, a certain type of guy. Um, uh, there's different ter- personality types in our sport and there are guys that are a little more uh, freewheeling and there are guys that are a little more, um, you know, uh, all business. And I think yes. Jerry Byrne really brings, encapsulates. I, I think he does. I think he. I think he. I think he brings the best of all worlds. Um, but but at the top of that, I think he's just a very smart person. And I think, given the quality of the academics of a school like Michigan, you can't just bring in, you know, Jimmy Meatball, the lacrosse coach, and have him. That's correct. And, and expect him to recruit the best scholar athletes to Michigan and adequately sell the academic side of Michigan. Let's not forget Michigan academically is one of the best schools in the whole country. You know, it's not right. a, it's not meathead state. It's not, it's, it's, it's a super high end academic school and you it need is. a, a smart intellectual guy who appreciates and understands that these guys, and we've said it on the podcast many times, are not signing seven-figure deals to go play pro lacrosse and that it's a means to an end. And college lacrosse at the D1 level or the D3 level, if you're going to go to you know, Amherst or Tufts or one of those types of schools, is a, is a bridge to a higher quality of life down the road. And Jerry Byrne oh, right. is, is making that sales pitch every single day at Notre Dame, which is – the same type of school, super high-end academics with super high-end athletics. You know, he's right. he's the guy. You know, I can see Dan Shamati also being a great 
addition here. He's making the same pitch at Richmond and made the same decision himself when he went to Duke. Yep. And I, I think that that's the type of background that you need to bring in are guys that are, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, appreciative and are able to sell the academic difference between Michigan and these other schools that are as committed financially to the success of their athletic programs. I agree, man. I agree. But here's, I'm going to ask you a question. You're an athletic department that doesn't have the smallest subtleties of knowledge behind each candidate. You're strictly taking resume, which is a sheet of paper, and then you're taking the outside sources. So now you're looking at their social media. You're looking at them, say, on film, you know, just their presence on the sidelines, you know. Uh, their demeanor on the sidelines. That's what I should say. Uh, and so you're ranking these guys, AT. And, and again, I, I, it's going to be tough for you to do this to kind of push away the, the stuff that you already know. Yep. Out of these three guys, who is your number one choice? Out of Petro. Petro and Tills? Yeah. No, I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to give a bunch of three-name combos. All right, great. And you're going to tell me who you would pick out of all of them. Yep. The first three-name combo is Petro, Amplo, Burn? Who are you picking? I'm taking Jerry Burn. And, it, and you had you had the ability to pay for anyone. Jerry Burn. Tambo, Toomey, Burn. Wow, that's tough, man. Uh, I take Jerry Burn again. Wow, wow. I would. I think, I think the, he's the, the biases are showing. It's, 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 right. it's, it's not. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I mean, listen, right. that's a really, really tough one. I, I, I got another one for you. I got another one for you. Charlie, too. Um, I, I'll get another a, one. I got another one. It's a really tough one. Yep, go ahead. Tillman, Shea, Burn. Wow. I'd take Andy Shea. Wow. Wow. Would, and this is why. I, this is why I would do it. Tillman worked at Harvard. He worked at Navy. He's currently he's won he's gone to every single national championship. Did Tillman did Tillman win at Harvard? One game over five hundred. But who's but, won at five hundred? You tell me a last head coach at, who's won at, at Harvard. Harvard in the history of Harvard has been one game over five hundred. That's who yeah, Harvard that's is. right. That's right. That's the reality. so so it should be kind of pushed out of that, right? It's a knock on the coaches. I think it's part of the culture of that school. And that they're, you know, they don't really need lacrosse. I mean, if it fits into their but schedule. It, but it's great. the experience, right? It's the resume experience Listen, of having that kind of institution why, on your Here's on why your I'm team. picking Andy Shea. Because Andy Shea, in my opinion. Uh, hold, hold on one second, AT. For the people that are just tuning in, yep. I'm giving uh, AT combos of three people. Uh, and the combos that I've given him, and he's explaining why he wants Andy Shea, is Tillman, Byrne, and Shea. So it's not necessarily he's, if you're just tuning in, he's talking about Shea. Go ahead, AT. So here's why I would take Andy Shea first over Byrne, and then Tills would be, would be last, right? Uh, Andy Shea. When he took over Yale, had the toughest job in the I. Right, they were supporting about seven guys a year in admissions. He had about seven spots that he could support in the admissions office each year. Right, that's brutal. 
That means 28 recruited athletes on a team of 40. And if you figure one or two guys a year in that class are going to get hurt, you got five guys. If you are 60% accurate in your recruiting pitch, that means you've got 12 guys that are more or less studs, right? Yep. He had the yep. toughest job. He was, you know, 0 and 6, 0 and 6, 1 and 5, 0 and 6, 1 and 5, 0 and 6, you know, all the way through, I think, year five or year six. And then I think he'll tell you, he brings in, you know, the oldest Gibson. And those guys helped echo what he wanted to develop as a team culture and yep. were ultimately able to turn the ship around. And now he is absolutely the best coach in the Ivy League and one of the very best coaches in the country. Otherwise, you wouldn't bring him out here. And he's done it at Yale, which, let's face it, if a kid wants to go to Yale, now you still, or if a kid wants the best education possible, you got to try to sell him on coming to New Haven instead of Boston. Or Princeton, yep. right? Or Durham. Yep, that's tough. Or South Bend, and he's been able to do it. Well, that's easy, actually. New Haven's way better than South Bend. Let's be, let's face it. That's you're right. I mean, you're right, but not on Saturdays. <laughs> but the fact is, is that listen, and, and then and then gradually he won with seven guys a year in admissions, and then the athletic right. director stepped up and said, "Hey, I guess we can be director." Tom, I think it was the president. I think it was the president. Whoever it was, did. they figured yeah. it out and they started said, "Hey, this is our guy. We we might have a horse here." And they give him ten spots or twelve spots or whatever they give him now. I, yep. I think it's at least ten. I know that. Um, and it may be more, but the reality is he had to go do it and he did it. I don't have a doubt in my mind. Jerry shred that Michigan job and would be an unbelievable hire. But if I've got a guy that's done it versus a guy that I know could do it in this instance, I would go with the guy that's done it. And that would be Andy Shea. All right. I got another three name combo. Okay, good. Good. Got another three name combo. Yep. Natalin, yep. Shamati, Ampla. Yep. Can I add a guy that I would take ahead of those guys? No, there's just this three game combo because I'm going to go. Right, back. I, I have I these eight names. That sucks. I know. All right, so Natalin, who 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 would be? All right, I'll let you add one. If that's not on the, you can't name one that's on the eight eight names that it's I've not. Given. Okay, good. Lars, I'd name Lars. In one in one year, he goes to Virginia. Is out. Listen, Lars and Andy Shea were the two hottest coaches in the country last year. And Tampa, Lars goes, though. what's that? If you want to, if, if you want to take like Ivy League, you know, Bill Tierney, then Tambo, then so Shea, asking, then Lars, you're right? Me the question. I think that Lars Tierney, as an Ivy League grad, who, let's face it, took over a losing program at Brown that was underachieving and turned it into a Final Four team and has gone down to Virginia and created a level of excitement that they haven't seen in a long time, I think we all know that Virginia is going to be back in a very, very big way, even though they fell off at the end of the year. Um, I, I think he would be a home run. He coached at Penn State. He knows the big athletic department environment. He's a really smart guy. He knows how to appeal to smart kids and get the best out of them. He would be a guy that I would seriously be looking at. 
Well, in the either case, let's just say they move on to the next tier, the young up-and-coming coaches. You said right? Amplo, got Amplo Naz, and Shamadi? Yep. It would be Shamadi for sure for me. Shamadi. All right, so now I've got Shamadi, Shea, Tambo, and Burn. Who are you going? Wow. Shamadi, Shea, Tambo, and Burn. I'd take Andy Shea. Wow. Listen, Tambo's one of the best coaches in the country. He crushed at Cornell. But he's outside of this year where they've done a great job, he's he's had to work really, really hard to get results that I think we thought would be better through six, seven years at Cornell, right? Right? We yes. all would have yes. thought that he would have won a national championship by now. Right? And I'm not listen, he's he's yep. he's he's completely proven and he is an unbelievable coach but i think we felt like he would have won more at penn state than he's won to date now he could win the national championship and that would be phenomenal for him and i'd be pumped for him but he hasn't he hasn't done it yet in my opinion there uh where he did it at cornell uh shamadi i think would be great so for me, it comes down to Shea and Byrne, and I would take Shea over Byrne for the aforementioned reasons, um, just in that yeah. he's done it at a school that's super high-end academically, that's a very tough recruiting pitch, considering that he's also recruiting against Harvard and Princeton and Virginia and Duke and the best academic schools that also are high-end athletic. It's a great call. I, I just think that that would be the guy. It's a great call. Um, in either case, would you, I have those eight names and we keep, you know, talking about those eight names. You yeah, mentioned Scotty yeah, Marr. Would Lawrence, you, Lawrence has to be in that group. He has to be. I just don't think that they, so if Lars went out and they actually won an ACC game this year, <laughs> I think you could really go ahead and say, well, he's definitely going to turn around in Michigan. The reality is, is Lars year this year was no different than Starja's last year at, at Virginia as well. This is why it was different. Okay, he loses to Notre Dame in overtime, right? He loses mm -hmm. to Syracuse after being up five goals in the middle of the third quarter. He loses to Hopkins in overtime. And he beats Loyola by a goal. I mean, the reality is Virginia was way more competitive this season than they've ever been in the last four or five years. Way more competitive, right? Now, I'm the first one to say, if you don't win, it doesn't matter. Ask, you know, Lax Film Guy. But the bottom line <laughs> is that based on Lars's body of work at Brown and what I think is a year where he restored the passion to be a player in a Virginia Cavaliers lacrosse uniform, he's absolutely has to be on that list. He has to be. I think he's on the list in terms of like respectful coaches in the country outside of, as you say, the grandfathers of the, of the sport. But if you want, if you, again, you're an administration and you want immediate results, we're talking immediate results. If I can buy a name, a personality, and immediate results. 
that goes along with a $35 million facility that we just built that we're in clean slate because now we don't even have an established women's coach in there yet either, which I do like to talk about that for a second. You got Listen, you got to have, for me, if I'm making the decision, you're asking me, I went first and foremost, I want a guy that's had success recruiting high-end academic kids, yep. period. That's number one. Number two, I want a guy that in a perfect world, uh, you know, was a high-end or went to a high-end academic school, number two. I, I, those things are important. If you are going to be trying to sell the smartest kids in the country and their parents, a super highly educated, successful group, generally speaking, you need to be able to articulate the differences between the institution that you represent versus the other super high-end academic schools that you're competing with for those kids. You can't just yep. bring in a lacrosse guy to a school that's high-end academically and be like, we're a really good lacrosse team, right? So what? They don't that's care tough. about that. They, they don't care about that, right? Smart people want to know. They understand the magnitude of the decision, and they want to trust that you're in it for the development of your players, first and foremost as people, secondly as students, and thirdly as athletes. And yep. that you get it. I agree. You get it. And if you can't articulate that and be believable and pull it off, you're not going to be a success no matter how much lacrosse you know. Right? The the. The smarter your customer base is, the more smarter you have to be. That there's no question. There's no question about it. You know, you can look around the country at some coaches that are struggling at academic schools that I don't think were good hires just based on the things that we just mentioned. Right? So uh, they'll do their due diligence. You know, but I think I think they would be very smart to identify. Who are your, who are your top three? Who are your top five phone calls? Uh, for me, give me your top five phone calls. Yep. Andy Shea, Jerry Byrne, uh, Bill Tierney would be number one. Well, outside of the Godfathers of the Cross, because if they're going to buy one of them, this this whole conversation is pointless. I don't think there Bill Tierney ages to, to Michigan. Bill, I don't think Bill Tierney ages. <laughs> He doesn't, dude. He All right, I will same. give you this. I will I ask you this. Ages. I will ask you this, AT. Who do you call first, Bill Tierney or uh, John Donowski? Bill Tierney for sure. Okay. Um, no, no I, I think that's a very hard question to answer, but you, you – I, I think John Donowski is a master at being able to manage the egos of great players. He's a, he's a super high-quality person, John Donowski. I don't even know him that well. I just know that he's unbelievably humble. Um, and he just every year does a phenomenal job of getting his guys to play great at the right time of the year. Um, yeah. But I don't think tactically he's close to Bill Tierney that way. Um, you know, so I Fair. think John Donowski Fair. does better at a place that recruits itself where he can go in and he can – he can get everybody 
to check their egos at the door, um, you know, with an arm around them approach rather than up in their face with intimidation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that he necessarily is a, a guy that comes in and schematically can allow a team to compete with less talent the way that Bill Tierney has proven over his career that he can. Bill Tierney schematically every time gets his teams to be better as a group than as the group of talented individuals that they are every time. And I think, right. I think Andy Shea does the same thing. And Jerry Byrne definitely does that on the defensive end at Notre Dame. Uh, so who's the next three? Okay. Who are the next three so, phone calls you're making? So it would be Andy Shea. It would be Jerry Byrne. It would be Lars Tiffany. Um, uh, I, I think it's Jeff Tambroni. Two more. It's Jeff Tambroni. Yep. I see a trend here in these picks. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, uh, and I don't know how it can't be. I, I will go off the board here and I'm going to say Matt Brown. Uh, we haven't even talked about Matt Brown as someone who is a potential candidate for this job. But again, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting a head coach. I'm betting, a, I'm betting that they buy a head coach. I'm betting that they buy a head coach that's currently going to the quarterfinals this year. I'm currently betting that you're going to see uh, a head coach be hired that's been to the Final Four multiple times. Well, then, it's, well, then you're looking at Petro and you're looking at Tills and you're looking at um, t- you know, Tambo. Tambo. You're looking at Byrne. You're looking at Byrne too, but but at the same time, I still think that you, it's it's an assistant I think you coach. look at the best offensive coordinators in the country and you got to look at Matt Brown and you got to look at Dave Metzbauer. Those, those to me are the two best offensive coaches out in the country, right? Yeah, no, there's I, zero question I, I think, about that. I think Metzi... I, I think Metsy doesn't, I mean, at least it appears like as a guy that could have had coaching jobs throughout the last 15 years, I, I'm not positive. He's dying to be a head coach. I think he, I think he likes what he do. If there know, is one spot that. if, speculation, but I, I look at the two best offensive coaches and I see those two guys as the best two guys. Right. And so you also you also can say that if if Mets does want to become a head coach and if there is one spot he would become a head coach at, it's got to be his alma mater. In yeah, Delaware. Right. I mean, it's it's like a perfect storm right now for that. If if, like you said, he even wants to become a head coach. Right. I. I, 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 I so. So I guess to, to kind of sum this up because we spent an hour talking about this, but it's been fun to kind of go through a lot of different kids. This is, is this job AT, we're going to go on another tangent here. Is this job AT bigger than UVA higher last year? Uh, I think definitely. Would it be, what is, if now Michigan's coming up, what's the biggest, rank the top five head coaching jobs in Division One lacrosse? Defined rank them. by what? By ability to win a national championship, everything, everything, everything. everything. Um, you can, yeah, to win a national championship, 
story, tradition, uh, uh, school pull. You know what I mean? Like just everything. Like location, quality of school, ability to compete with a national championship, um, uh, tradition. It's a big one because it's obviously huge in lacrosse. Um, rank the top five job head coaching jobs in Division One lacrosse. Wow, that's that's a big question, man. All right, well, give me five and then rank them afterwards. How's that? So, you know, if I'm just thinking of it and jotting down the names, I would say that the top five jobs. Just right off my right off the cuff, as I would say, is is Hopkins, Syracuse, Virginia, Maryland, and Duke. Is that five? That's five. five. That's five. Wow. That's, those so aren't. Those, think about the next five. Think about the next five. Let's put the next five. What are the next five? Denver, Ohio State, um, North Carolina. Carolina's not North even in Carolina. Wow. Um, not Harvard. No, not Harvard. Not Yale? Nope, not Yale. Wow. Notre Dame? Notre Dame, for sure. What else? Um, you got one more. Penn State? I can't believe Harvard's not in there. Penn State? So you went all Big Ten? Big Ten and ACC. Yeah, that was like I, I would say Big, Big Ten, Ten and ACC. So Michigan's not in there. So Michigan doesn't make the next Not five. yet. But then, but then, but then, you go ahead and say that Michigan's opening now is bigger than UVA's last year. But UVA is a top five job to you. Yeah, Charlottesville. What makes my question? I'm not trying to pin you. I, no, I just I like, my question I, to you fun. is why is why is why why is that the case? Is it because Michigan's a little different in Virginia and that they're willing to go ahead and maybe really make a statement and pay? I think that. Do you see I, what I'm saying? I think there's because there's there's a no, risk. I there. think that there's a history of success at all of those programs, but there's not a history of success at Michigan yet. So I think that that is uh, doesn't allow it to be considered a top five job by my definition at this point in time. Um, sure, but I think when you're a coach looking at opportunities, everybody sees that. That is a that that it has all the ingredients to be very very good and is a national championship level job. The way that we viewed Penn State for a long long time before Tambo took over, right? Um, Loyola, say that again. Loyola, Loyola. I wouldn't put Loyola. Does that beat out that, Penn State? I I wouldn't put Loyola in that group, even though they've won a national championship. The next five. So you'd put Penn State over, but now see your ranking because this, this because Loyola is not going to give you at, the. I'm looking at the uh, the athletic department as a whole, right? And I don't see athletic. Sure, you know Loyola's got a phenomenal lacrosse program, but I don't see the rest of their athletic department being on the level. Um, but doesn't location play play a big role too? I mean, look, they're in Maryland, and so if you're do, in state, does, you know, it does, you're like but you're also you know, diluted by the fact that. You know, Maryland and Hopkins and Towson are also there. Um, you know, if they were by themselves there, yeah, that would that would be different. But they're not. 
so that's it. I'm just I, I'm learning, man. I, like this is this is great to hear, but it's fascinating though that when when people talk about the f- top five jobs, name those top five jobs again that you named, because I don't think anyone uh, would disagree with you. I, I, I'm not I even disagreeing with Syracuse, you. Syracuse, Virginia, Maryland, and Duke, but I could just as easily put Denver and Ohio State now. Uh, although they may be a little new, but now they, I think that's yeah. I think that's a little tough, though. I think that's I think you nailed it. I, I, I think. I think you nailed it in terms of that, but I just my wanted to in. state. So, so argue my next one in. If it's Hopkins, Syracuse, Virginia, Maryland, Duke, my next one in would be Carolina. And then the next one after that would probably be Notre Dame. And then the next one after that would probably be Denver. Who knows? Maybe Denver's in that group, but I just feel like their success is still new. They've only won one. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. So you know, what I, I, I just like wanted to state, state was yep. that – well, I just wanted to state that that's how powerful this job at Michigan is opening up. As you mentioned, if you could, if you could rank all the head coaching jobs out there, you know, Michigan probably puts itself in the top 15 for sure. I would argue it's top 10, but it's not top 5. But from every perspective out there, this is a bigger job opening than last year's UVA. Yeah. It's a much bigger job opening because the amount of resources and pay that they're going to drop, they're going to drop that huge bag of cash on somebody's desk and says, come take Michigan into the top five job. That, that changes everyone's perspective on all of this. Yeah, Everyone's. And it doesn't have have the luggage that some established programs has. There's no luggage. There's no baggage. That's a great call too. There's zero luggage. There's no, you know, that's like you could argue Charlottesville has luggage. It does. Charlottesville has luggage. Georgetown has luggage. Harvard has luggage. They they all do in some way. But not Michigan. They're too new still. Too new. So this is uh, in either case. John Paul, you know, hot girl that showed up to school. People know who they are. (laughs) but they who, know who also has a good it. personality, right? Who has a good personality and a cool and most dad. Most importantly, isn't isn't, like, isn't oh, yeah. on to you yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to John Paul, and I know that's one of the weirdest things you can no, say to a guy exactly. who's just been let go. But it, congratulations to John Paul for for making the sport of lacrosse better. Agreed. Uh, for giving everyone in the lacrosse world an op- uh, uh, an added opportunity. Uh, and cementing your legacy as a head coach in Division One at one of the best institutions on the planet. So thank you, John Paul. Um, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. Looking forward to hearing about your success in the future. And hopefully that's still within the game of lacrosse because you've earned it, you deserve it, and you uh, it should be there. We all hope you're going to be there. We're going to take a quick break. AT, you good with taking a break here? I am. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we back, we will run through really quickly our players of the week and our picks for the weekend but it is a huge weekend with uh tournament uh lacrosse so uh we'll be right back so maximize your comfort Golf facilities located in Dutchess County and only an hour north of New York City. The 27 holes wind their way along the Taconic, through the valley, and over the highlands with spectacular views that have made the course famous for over 50 years. With three nine-hole courses to start on, players enjoy fast play and easy access to tee times, even on weekends. Book your next round at BeekmanGolf.com. Let's play today. That's BeekmanGolf.com.
At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. Beekman Golf Course is one of New York State's most spectacular full-service public golf facilities. Located in Dutchess County and only an hour north of New York City, the 27 holes wind their way along the Taconic, through the valley, and over the highlands with spectacular views that have made the course famous for over 50 years. With three nine-hole courses to start on, players enjoy fast play and easy access to tee times, even on weekends. Book your next round at BeekmanGolf.com. Let's play today. That's BeekmanGolf.com. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. Beekman Golf Course is one of New York State's most spectacular full-service public golf facilities. Located in Dutchess County and only an hour north of New York City, the 27 holes wind their way along the Taconic through the valley and over the highlands with spectacular views that have made the course famous for over 50 years. With three nine-hole courses to start on, players enjoy fast play and easy access to tee times, even on weekends. Book your next round at BeekmanGolf.com. Let's play today. That's BeekmanGolf.com. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. Beekman Golf Course is one of New York State's most spectacular full-service public golf facilities. Located in Dutchess County and only an hour north of New York City, the 27 holes wind their way along the Taconic, through the valley, and over the highlands with spectacular views that have made the course famous for over 50 years. With three nine-hole courses to start on, players enjoy fast play and easy access to tee times, even on weekends. Book your next round at BeekmanGolf.com. Let's play today. That's BeekmanGolf.com. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded.
All right, we're back. We're uh, hanging in there. Uh, we just spent an hour talking about the Michigan head coaching job, so hopefully you enjoyed that. I actually enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I, I like asking Andy a lot of these questions. I like picking his brain because I like getting him twisted up sometimes because I do think this is fascinating. But one of the things that we didn't talk about were all the rest of the job potential openings, AT. So when you look at the job from Michigan and you look at the other potential, we know there are going to be other job yeah. openings. But now you wonder if you're some of the administrative administration out there, do you open up your job this year? Do you give another one-year contract? Do you see what sifts out because of the Michigan play? Or do you just join the ranks of a lot of different potential you know, great hires because people are getting fired and open up too. And, and there's going to be just a lot of recycling of coaches. Um, but you got to figure Delaware, which was easily the number one job going into the summer if Michigan didn't open up. But now Michigan comes in and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, Delaware is on the back burner now. Right. And you got to figure a lot of the guys that are actually interested in Delaware are now more interested to see what happens with Michigan before they go ahead and make the decision at all. So now Delaware, which you would think would have a process that would last, what, two weeks after Memorial Maybe. Day, AT? Right? Now is going to probably last a month and Michi a half Michigan after goes Memorial first, Day weekend. Right. Of course, Michigan probably will go first. They're very, you know, they're professionals at this. I say that Michigan's going to have their coach, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, AT, that they're going to have their coach within a week after Memorial Day. They're very good. They're going to go in, out like SEALs, Navy SEALs in this. They're going to bring people out on private jets and get them in, get them out, and right. make a decision. Because, again, they don't, they don't know anything about lacrosse. So they're just literally buying a resume. That's what they're going to do, and that's what I think. And, and, and I don't blame them. If I didn't know anything about rowing, and I was at the University of Michigan, and I'm looking at all the sheets, and I'm looking at all the resumes out there that whether they've been submitted to me or not, I'm going to go out there and buy it because I just don't want to deal with it. I'm going to buy a national championship. Here, come in, do it at Michigan, and we're going to give you everything yep. you need. Just say what you need, and I'm going to say yes. But you got other schools now, and we know there's going to be more opening. A lot more opening today um, or this week. Uh, I think there might even be openings today, um, but there's going to be this week. Next week uh, is a big thing, but I think a lot of coaches are having the meetings now, and a lot of coaches are potentially telling their team within the next couple of days that they're going to. Uh, so it's just interesting to see the scope and the dynamics between how one school plays off another and might change what they thought was the first top five candidates for their school now changes because Michigan is very much involved in this and might have an impact on that choice. So uh, it's just uh, a little fascinating, but um, AT, you got any thoughts on that or we're going to move to players and coaches uh, this week? No, I think, I think we're ready to move on. I think so too. AT, who's your coach of the week? Uh, well, in typical fashion, Ryan, I'm going to lead with my runner-ups. And I had two coaches that were my runner-up for coach of the week this week, both coming from the Ivy League. The first one was Chris Wojcik who spearheaded Harvard's 9-8 win over uh, the Yale Elis in the, the Ivy League's probably biggest rivalry. Um, just a huge, huge performance by Harvard. I certainly did not expect it. You called it. Um, you thought Harvard would show up in this game. I thought yes. they would be done and that Yale would beat them by 10 goals. So he's my runner-up, co-runner-up. The other co-runner-up goes to Matty Kerwick up at Cornell. What a huge win, 18-17 to 17 win over Princeton. Um, and 
lot of defensive battle. Yeah, defensive what a defensive battle. But the thing is, listen, man, Cornell, Matt Kerwick, if we were giving out coach of the year for the second half of the season, Matt, Ker- Matt Kerwick might be the guy <laughs> right. on a national level. I mean, what an unbelievable turnaround. Behind Andy well, Shea. No, I'm, I'm talking about just Andy Shea too. the second half of the season. Cornell started, I think, the season like one and six, something like that, and ended up having uh, some really good performances down the stretch with a really, really young team. Uh, and I think that we're going to see – I think Cornell is going to be back in a big, big way next year. I think they're going to be uh, in the top 20 all year long and – uh, are going to be in the running for the Ivy League championship in the tournament at the end of the year. I, I really, really believe that with the graduation of some of the players at Brown, Yale, I think that Cornell is going to be a year older. They don't lose a lot. I think that they're going to be a really, really good team uh, next year and, and in the next few years for sure. Uh, but my coach of the year, no-brainer. We're going down to Chapel Hill. Coach of the week. Coach of the week. Coach of the week. Of the week. Oh, no. Again. Joe Brash. Listen. Not, not again. Here's the deal, right? Carolina played oh a has sort played of. a brutally tough schedule. They have no bad losses. They lost, you know, two or three heartbreaking games down the stretch of the regular season. Uh, were able to beat Virginia, qualified for the ACC. I had said that they were going to return and win the national championship. You had heckled me all year long. I went on record of saying Carolina is going to beat Syracuse, and then they're going to beat Notre Dame or whoever comes out, out of that side, and they're going to win the ACC championship. And sure enough, I was dead on. Joe Bresci, in your face, coach of the week, two ACC wins, the ACC <laughs> championship, and now what will be announced on Sunday, a potential home game in the NCAA tournament. So pumped for Joe Bresci. It's inc- it's incredible. I don't think UNC will get a home game. Um, but it, I'm not even going to get into that. I really don't even care about that. I care more who's on the bubble and who's not. I, everyone always talks about, you know, home game this and home game that. Uh, but, uh, you know, congrats to uh, Joe Bresch. It's well-deserved. I mean, God, they were at rock bottom for quite a bit. And uh, what a turnaround they've had. Um, so my coach of the week, I've got a runner-up. My first assistant coach of the week, uh, Matt Dwan, defensive coordinator, Loyola, holding Army to four goals in the Patriot League championship, um, a big time. And, and Matt, Matty, you know, he does get credit, but probably not enough for what he's helped Charlie Toomey do over Charlie Toomey's what eight nine years there, whatever it might be. Uh, it's been a while, but Matty Dwan's been on board the entire time, um, and uh, he's he's he an is, incredible man. defensive mind, one of the most 100%. underrated guys that out there. That staff was awesome. Um, Matt Dwan is absolutely right there with the best defensive coaches in the country. He really is. So he's my runner-up, and the reason, the only reason why he's my runner-up is because uh, I felt like Loyola has been playing really well across the board, and I felt like Army, as you mentioned it too, you said Army is just not playing as clean uh, down the stretch, and I I disagreed with you, and obviously I was wrong, uh, but uh, I think Loyola was. Pr- poised to take that Patriot League tournament yeah. championship when I think both of us probably didn't think that uh, they were at the beginning of the season. No one did. But uh, congrats to Matt Duan as the runner-up. My assistant coach of the week uh, goes to a guy from Penn. Yeah. Pat Myers, offensive coordinator at Penn, putting up 17 goals. And this is the second win 
against Virginia this season. I would argue right now that Penn Lacrosse is playing their best lacrosse and the best lacrosse in the Ivy League right now. Given Yale loses to Harvard at the end of the season, given you know Brown's inconsistency, and and I think Brown's playing very well down the stretch too. Of course, they beat Penn uh, in uh, Rhode Island, and then of course Yale going against Harvard uh, and losing against Harvard. You got to put the Ivy League tournament is probably going to be one of the weirder finishes, I believe, and I wouldn't be surprised to see, say, Penn or Brown in the Ivy League championship for the AQ, which should really turn things around and, uh, you know, who knows, but Pat Myers putting up 17 goals against UVA, uh, I thought was very impressive uh, for a guy that's been doing very well offensively the entire season, so Pat Myers, offensive or assistant coach of the week. AT, who's your player of the week? Uh, First, I just want to say that I agree with you. I think Matt Dwan's an unbelievable coach. Uh, you know, a lot like John Donowski is able to get his team to peak at the right time. I think, I think the Loyola staff does the exact same thing. I, I, I think that they, even with the struggles that they had this season, I just think that between Matty Dwan and Charlie, obviously as the head coach, but the addition of Mark Van, I just think that Loyola consistently is there at the end of the year, and they're going to be a really, really scary team if they can get consistent goaltending. Uh, in the NCAA tournament. And that leads me right into my runner-up for player of the week, which is Jacob Stover, who had 11 goals, uh, or 11 saves, and just four goals allowed in the Patriot League championship over Army. And I think, as Jerry Burns said last week, part of having a great defense is having a great goaltender. You can't have a great defense without a great goaltender. And certainly, if Jake Stover continues to play great, Loyola is going to be a threat to beat anyone and could win the national championship again. Um my player of the week, I've got to go with Matt Rambo. Three goals, four assists, just controlled the game start to finish in a 12-5 victory um, in probably the college. He's just so one-dimensional, he really though. For a mid-range shooter, Ugh. I'll tell you, this guy really <laughs> putting up some nice numbers. Um, listen, I, for, to me, and you've been a huge advocate of Matt Rambo the last two years since we started this podcast – and I was not as much of a buyer of Matt Rambo, especially last year. But I am going to just say flat out that Matt Rambo gets my vote for the attackman of the year this year. Uh, I, and, and, and is right there in the potential. He's right there in the conversation for player of the year for me, just in the way that he's, he's led this team. Uh, in the process of become Maryland's all-time leading scorer. Again, not bad for a mid-range shooter. Um you know, the reality is, 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 is right. he, he may be the national player of the year, Matt Rambo. Let's see what happens. Let's see if he can lead them to a national championship. If I, if I was a betting man, that would be my bet that Matt Lamp, that Maryland wins the national championship and Matt Rambo leads them there and ends up as MVP of the NCAA tournament. And if that ends up being the case, he will be deserving of not only attackman of the year, but national player of the year, but my week player of the week, Matt Rambo. Nice. I, that's a great call. I, mine, uh, and I almost did Matt Rambo. We almost had a um, consensus numero uno player of the week. Uh, I do love Rambo's game. I think he's literally, since his freshman year, he's been the number one guy that defensive coordinators have been really freaking out about uh, at all times. But uh, my player of the week, uh, going to the Ivy League, Robert Shaw. 19 Stunned. saves 
in a huge rivalry game uh, against Yale. Um, and uh, obviously, he, he actually has had a great season all year. It'll, it'll be interesting to see who um, first-team All-Ivy goalie is. Uh, you've got uh, def- Blaisdell. definitely the first-team um, yeah, but he he, eighteen goals against in against Cornell. Like it 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 really does come down to the voting because you got Robert Shaw plays down. You got the kid from Brown, uh, the Phil Goss kid. I mean, he's, he's he's great too. He is really. I saw him play against Yale, but again, they let up eighteen goals. But he was unbelievable in that game. I think that was more reflective of their defense than it was of him not letting in good shot. But I agree. I, I think he's. I think that uh, I think the Brown goal is. I think it's got to be Blaisdell. He's got to be number one. It could be, and and then one other, you know, Ivy League goalie that uh, not a lot of people look at as someone George who Stipper. you know is is a very good goalie. Yes, <laughs> the kid from the kid from Dartmouth sees a ton of wow. rubber guys, uh, and he's at 50 percent plus on the year, um, and so he's in consideration too. Not necessarily, we're not talking like all American goalies out of this conference this year, uh, but we're talking about solid goalkeepers, and so, you know, Robert Shaw puts himself and solidifies himself despite, you know, Harvard not having a great season this year uh, as a goalie that could get some serious recognition. So congrats to Robert Shaw, oh, 19 sir. saves and a big win to end his, um, his I yeah, think, junior okay, campaign. Did a good correct? job starting him as a sophomore. Um, so. He beat out... Uh, you know, a returning second team all Ivy goalie, and again, he uh, he's had an unbelievable last two years. You like that, it has. So let's <laughs> let's go to our picks, and yeah. we're gonna do these quick. And I know we've been long today, um, and we're gonna do them by conference. Should we go quick, all quick, conference quick, tournament games? Uh, oh uh, yes, we should. Yes, so, I, what happened? Because you didn't I, you didn't tweet it I out. Was in an administrative tornado. Uh, doing what I had to do, so I didn't get to get it done. But uh, the good news is that I won this week very handily. I had a, my my best week I had. I was twenty three correct and nine wrong. You were seventeen correct. Holy crap! And, and oh, so I wasn't that bad. Wrong. Uh, and oh, that no, was our bad. overall total to me oh, no. two twelve one ninety three and you two thirteen and one ninety two. You're yes! up one point yes! overall on the season right now, going into um, yes! you know a huge, a huge Turn yeah, conference a huge slate this week, and then uh, the slate gets smaller as we enter the playoffs. So I'm glad I got it close. I need a big week here. Yeah, no, that was, that's incredible. Uh, so I'm up one. So here we go. We're going to the Big East Championships. Uh, we got the first semifinal: Marquette, Denver. Denver is favored by four. The over-under here is 20 and a half. What do you got there, AT? Uh, I've got DU, and I've got the over. I'm taking DU, and I've got the over as well. Villanova, PC, Villanova favored by four, over-under 21. Villanova, and I've got the over. I've got Villanova. Actually, you know what? I got got Providence covering this. Yeah, I got Providence covering this. I got the under. I'm going double on this. Now, who wins the Big East Championship? Denver wins the Big East Championship. But I wouldn't be surprised if Villanova upsets them. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it's going to happen, but Villanova's capable. Write it down. You've got Denver. Write that down because these are our picks, the secondary picks, so we could get these both wrong too because it's – whoever makes it i'm taking villanova 
And I'm taking Villanova because it's really going to screw up everything, um, especially when it comes down to uh, UNC might not make it at that point. Or Rutgers doesn't make it at that point if one of these conference tournaments doesn't go the way it should. I'm taking Villanova. Uh, and, and, if, and if also, since they're the obvious underdog going against Denver on the championship, I'm taking the points on Villanova. So it's not a money line pick. I'm taking Villanova plus whatever right. it is. Uh, here's the next uh, America East. Or excuse me, CAA. We're going to the CAA, Colonial Athletic Association, or Athletic Association here. Drexel, Towson. Towson favored by two. 17 and a half is the over-under. I got, got Towson and I got the under. I'm taking Towson as well, and I'm taking okay. the over. UMass, Hofstra. Hofstra favored by two and a half. The over-under here is 20 and a half. What do you got? I've got Hofstra and the under. I got Hofstra and the over. Uh Let's go to the Big Ten. Wait, 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 who do you wait, have wait. winning have the, CAA? the CAA? Yep. yep. That's what. I'm, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm going back to it. I pro, I apologize. Who wins the CAA championship? Towson. Actually? I'm going to take Hofstra in the points. Hofstra's probably going to be the under underdog since Towson beat Hofstra. Um, but I'm going to take Hofstra, and if they're the okay. underdog, I'm taking the points. Uh. We're going to the Big Ten. Here it is. Penn State, Maryland. Maryland favored by two and a half. 23 and a half wow. is the over-under. What do you got, AT? Um, I like the Terps, and I like the over. I'm going to take Penn State, and I like the over as well, but I do have Maryland winning that game. Johns Hopkins, Ohio State, Ohio State minus two. Over-under here is 21 and a half. What do you got, AT? This is a tough tough one here um i just don't <laughs> like the way hopkins is playing uh do we know where the big 10 tournament is is it in no I thought it was in you know what i'm just gonna take it i'm gonna take ohio ah yeah. god i hate this game man it sucks I hate this game. you know what I, i'm just gonna go underdog i think petro and these guys will have them back i'm gonna take uh i'm gonna take hopkins and i'm gonna take I hate the way their offense is playing. I'm going to take the under. Hopkins in the under. I'm going to take uh, Hopkins. Ooh, you usually take Ohio and State. And I'm going to take. Okay. I uh, is it? Where is the game? I don't know. I don't game? know. Right Maryland. Right. It's got to be in Maryland, right? I don't know either. God, location is important. If it's in the, if it it's in Ohio State, Ohio I'm taking Ohio State. State. I know, but I think it's in one location it's though. Ohio State. They can all pick it. They can all pick it. I'm taking Ohio State. If it is Ohio State, I'm taking Ohio State. I'm taking Ohio State. I'm taking the over. All right, who wins it? Let's go to the. Uh, no, we cannot. We got to take the the championship. Who wins the championship? Right. At. Um, I am gonna just stay. My boy Scotty Hensley's out there somewhere. Scotty, this is for you. I'm going with J H U Hopkins wins the Big Ten championship. So you're taking the money line. You have to note this down now. You're taking the money line on the Hopkins OSU and the points. So that's that's an asterisk. Um, I'm taking Maryland. I've got Maryland winning it. Um, so yeah, you can take Hopkins in the points too on that on that Thanks, championship. Dude. I'll give you both there. Uh, 
no worries. Let's go to America East. Stony Brook, Albany. Albany favored by four and a half. Over under here is 23 and a half. Yeah, Albany in the over. Who you got? I've got, I'm just, my texting is going off the hook. We got some more information potentially about jobs. Spread uh, it. Spread <laughs> it. Let's spread it. I, no, not yet. I'll it's do it right at the end. <laughs> right at the end. Uh, it's insane. This is insane. It's an insane time of the year. Uh, I'm taking Albany and I'm taking the over. Uh, yes, I'm taking the over. What did you take? You took Albany in the over too? Uh, Binghamton, UMBC. Binghamton favored by one and a half. The over under here is 21. What do you got? I'm going to take UMBC and I'm going to take the under. Uh, that is, that's legit. Uh, I'm going to take Binghamton here and I'm going to take the under for sure. Uh, and then I'm going to take, uh, Albany as a shocker to win the whole thing. Albany AT, what do you got? As well. <laughs> uh, Furman, Richmond, Richmond favored by three and a half, 17 and a half. Uh, I've got Richmond and I got the got? over. Uh, I have, a, I did take Furman last week and it pissed me off that they didn't cover that. I'm taking Furman oh. again. Richmond's going to win, but I'm taking Furman again and another low scoring event. I think that second time around is tougher. I still think Richmond wins, but three and a half, another four goal spread. No way. Furman. Uh, and I'm taking the under air force Jacksonville. How about Jacksonville squeezing in? Galloway in his first year squeezing into the uh, SoCon tournament. I, I, uh, what do you got here on this? Oh, Air Force is favored by uh, three. I agree with you. How about Galloway and Casey Powell get it done, man? I can't believe that they qualified. I mean, I thought they were done. They were like 211 in the Rock Bottom Bowl three weeks ago, and now all of a sudden the SoCon tournament live. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's unbelievable. Good for them, man. Awesome, awesome job. Uh, with that said, I'm going with Semi and Air Force, and I like Air Force in the under. Uh, I like Air Force here, and I like the over in this one. I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout, weirdly. I don't know why. Brown. Oh, let's go. Oh, who wins the SoCon? Sorry. Who wins the SoCon? Uh, I have got to go with Richmond because it's not going to be in Colorado Springs. So Richmond wins. <laughs> Richmond is going to win. Uh, I got them as well. Brown. Uh, going to the Ivy League. Brown, Princeton. Princeton's favored by two. Over under here is 23 and a half. What do you got? Definitely have Brown, Ryan. Of course I do. Uh, <laughs> do you have the money line you on this? I do have the money line. Uh, you know, some, some wow. fine prints. Dylan Malloy has not up. played in the last two games. Um, you know, what's going on there? Uh, but they only played Dartmouth. In the last one, so that was a 25. True. Show. Still the way I played, they would have beat him 30 to so. 5. Um, I think that uh, I think Brown has really improved in the last three weeks. And I think the fact that they got pounded by 10 goals, and I think it was 21 11 the first time at Princeton, I think it sets up well for Brown. Um, I think Ted Ottens is going to win the faceoffs. And I think. Uh, I think whether Dylan Malloy plays or not, I think Brown's offense is playing smarter and supporting their defense. I like Brown to win this game, and I like the under at 23 and a half. 
I uh, I'm gonna take Princeton. Okay. I'm gonna take the over. I don't. I I I wouldn't be surprised if Brown wins. I I really don't. Uh, again, it's very hard to beat the same team twice in the same season. But um, wow, that's incredible. Um, so I've got. I I, I yeah. I, I'm gonna take Princeton in this one. Uh, Penn Yale. Yale's favored by one and a half. Over under here is twenty three and a half. I think Penn is playing the loosest that they have all season long as documented by their 17-goal output against UVA. And the fact that even though I think they lost the first go-around by two goals, the game was not that close. But I think Penn was a different team at that point, playing stiff. Um, And so if Penn can come out and replicate the looseness in their approach against Yale, uh, I think they're going to be a threat to beat them outright. So I am going to take Penn in an upset win, win, money line against Yale. Uh, I got Penn and I got the over. I'm taking Penn. I'm taking Penn and I'm taking Penn in the ILT. And in all honesty, I hope it's Brown. I hope it's Brown. You get a little bit of a repeat this one time, it's in New Haven, and I've got Penn winning it. What about over-under? AT. What do you got? Uh, okay, you're going to copy me. I think. No. I'm just going to put you in there as a copy. I'm putting you, I'm documenting <laughs> you as a copy. Uh, okay, so now so now we've got to go to the <laughs> Ivy League. Uh, ILT. Who's your, Hold yeah, up. No, we already just did I, the Ivy yeah, League. Yeah, but I've got Brown yeah. in the Ivy League Championship, and you've got Penn. Oh, you, you are taking Brown. Penn. So we're taking two of the lowest seeds right now. Right. To do it. I think it's going to happen, man. I would love to see Brown come back and do it again. That would be awesome. Uh, but I got Brown. <laughs> let's let's go to the uh, let's go to the NEC. Uh, we'll finish up. We got two more conferences and a yep. couple regular season games, which are so weird. The ACC pay, playing the Patriot League teams. So weird. Um, Sacred Heart. Hobart. Hobart is favored by two and a half. The over under here is 20 and a half. Tell Frank, Frank to shut up. Uh <laughs> Frank is so bad. Uh, uh, what do you got, I got here? Hobart and I got the under. I've got Hobart and I've got the under as well. Robert Morris, Bryant. Bryant is favored by one here. The over-under is 21. What do you got, AT? I hate Bryant. I'm going to go with Bryant, though, because I think that they're going to win. I got Bryant and I got the under. I got Robert Morris in the over in this one. Uh, Robert Morris is doing real well this year. I like I like the team. And uh, NEC. Now well, we're going NEC to the match. Picks. Oh, uh, sorry, go, sorry. Yes, I'm going to go That's with right. Hobart. I'm, I'm going to go with Robert Morris. Weirdly, I'm going to go like with Robert that. Morris winning the NEC. Um, it's really weird pick, uh, but so are the teams that are in it this year. Uh, and there's been no dominant team in the NEC. It's the most wide open league I think in the country to date. More than anyone else. Uh, I think every team is more or less lost to each other. So uh, I'm going to take Robert Morris. And what a revival of Robert Morris, team out of Pittsburgh, coming in uh, as such an emotional roller coaster year to year with Robert Morris. Uh, but it's good to see them back up top. Monmouth, we're going to Mac. Monmouth, Detroit. Monmouth favored by two and a half. The over under here is 19. We I got, got Monmouth in the over. 
I got Monmouth in the over as well. Actually, you know what? I got Monmouth in the under. What am I talking about? Oh. Over. Both teams play at a snail's play- pace. Canisius, Marist. Marist favored by two. The over under here is 23. What do you got? I've got Marist, and I've got the under. I've got Marist, and I've got the over, and I have Marist Ooh, I like taking that. it all okay. home. I'm, assuming uh, I'm taking Monmouth. I'm taking Monmouth for like sure. Monmouth in this one. I like that pick. I'm just going with the, the obvious probable underdog in that one. Um, now for the regular season awkward games, yeah. just because they're ranked. Q's, Colgate, Syracuse favored by six. The over-under here is 23 and a half. What do you got? Colgate's had a brutal year, man. I got Syracuse. Um, I think they're going to rest some people in this game. Uh, I, I don't think Colgate's going to score room. I like Col- I get Syracuse in the under. I like Hughes, and I like the over in this. I think it's going to be a blowout. Notre Dame, Army. Notre Dame is favored by three and a half. The over here, under here is uh, I think Notre Dame handles their business. They're a little frustrated by the way that the ACC final happened last week, and I think that a little bit of the wind has come out of Army's sails. Army needs to, to get into the tournament. Um, badly. So I know that Joe Abarici is telling them they needed to win the tournament, but I just don't think they're playing well enough to, to beat Notre Dame, uh, even though it's at Army. Um, so I'm going to take Notre Dame and I'm going to take the over. Um, and I'm going to take uh, Army covering this. Not sure if they're going to win or lose. Wouldn't be subtra- uh, Wouldn't be shocked if they won, but I think four goals is a little too much. And I'm going to take the under as well. BU Duke. Duke, four and a half. 22 is the over-under. This is uh, this is always an interesting game just because BU is out. Duke is just relaxing, cruising through to the tournament. What do you got here? Um, I've got Duke, and I've got the over, RD. I've got Duke in the over as well. That is it. For, oh, no. Rock bottom. There's got to yeah, be a rock it's bottom. It's kind of a tough. It's a it's a tough because it's all tournament play. It's a tough week. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a tough week. You know what? I, I'm I'm going to make the rock bottom bowl this week. Let's see. I would put up just as, gonna, as suggestions here. BU Duke as a rock bottom. All right, bowl. let's do it. Let's do that. Like, who wants to be uh, there? No, who one. wants to be there? Duke does because Duke's win. All right, so let's do that. That makes a rock bottom bowl. The only problem with making that a rock bottom bowl is, is it, we don't do a line for the rock bottom bowl, but we don't. We can do what we want, right? We run the podcast. The line is already there. Uh, so who do you got? We'll just, we're <laughs> going to make that podcast. the RBB, but we'll just break the rules because we can. So who do you have, Duke or BU? And a pick them and a pick them, Duke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, all right. So you got Duke in the under or over? Uh, I've got uh, Duke in the under and over. Uh, oh, I have the over. Right, in you the, got Duke in the, in the Duke game. I have Duke minus four. But yeah, but for the rock bottom ball, we we just it's a pick them. So that so means I got Duke pick again. You. All right, I'll do it. Let's go. Oh no, I, I apologize. If you want to pick Duke, you pick Duke. It's kind of a shitty week for the uh, rock bottom ball. It's expired. Right? All in Anybody it, that's so. in it, it's really rock bottom ball is probably. You know what the rock bottom ball is? It's Syracuse. It's done. Okay, that's what it should it's be. It's retired. But we're keeping it right here. It's done. We're inked. 
We're inked. All right. So I do have some potential news coming out. If you're listening live, which is you've lasted 95 minutes in this podcast, but uh, there is news to come out of Harvard uh, in the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. So stay tuned there. Uh, In the meantime, as always, enjoy the weekend of conference tournament lacrosse. Uh, Enjoy the week. uh, You know, enjoy the tournament championships. We'll be back next Wednesday, 9 a.m. to cover probable more coaching changes. uh, But at the same time, uh, we'll be back to cover all the uh, tournament news that's going to happen. A selection show is this Sunday, right, right, AT? Nine o'clock. Selection show is this Sunday. So, um, uh, you know what, AT? How about this? I'm going to be in New Haven. I'm going to be playing yeah. in the championship. I'm going to come to your house. We'll do a Impromptu. Facebook Live. We're just going to videotape of the selection okay. show. I love that. That's that. Just you and I. Okay, could happen. Is that going to happen? Sure. I'm already Where? there. All right, perfect. So if, if, if we make the championship, we'll do it. If not, maybe I'll right, drive We'll figure it out. Anyway. It'll be obvious. It'll be obvious. Drive up anyway. It'll be very obvious. Uh, thanks for the listen, as always. Tune in at In Your Face Lax, Twi- Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, check us out, Lax All Stars. Thank you. Uh, and of course, thank you to our sponsors, uh, Beekman Golf Course, and of course, Sisu Mouthpiece. Where's our mouthpieces? Where's our hats? I want a Beekman hat. Uh, so, uh, you know, I want to be, <laughs> so do I. I want a Beekman uh, 18 holes, by I the way. Beekman, it sounds incredible. I want to fling golf at That would be sick. I'd go solo. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, thanks for the listen. We'll be back next week, Wednesday.